0: Good evening. Today is Veterans Day. We speak with a veteran of Afghanistan about the war and its meaning for Americans. The United States meets with Ukraine to bolster defense against Russia. And the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse enters its final phase. With these and other stories, I'm Paul DiRienzo with the WBAI News for Thursday, November 11th, 2021. It was the eleventh hour of the eleventh day of the eleventh month when the guns of World War I, one of the bloodiest wars in human history had ended. Like many other wars over the next century, peace held a promise that was never fully realized. Starting with the last shots of the Great War, we explore how Americans war how American wars have ended.
1: Eisenhower informs me that the forces of Germany have surrendered to the United Nations. The flags of freedom fly all over Europe. Much remains to be done. At long last, the misery and the bloodshed of the war in Korea has been halted. Let's hope, indeed, that it's been ended. Even if we're right to be guarded about future prospects in Korea, We can at least rejoice that for all the men who are bearing the burden of this war, a halt has been called. I have asked for this radio and television
2: time tonight for the purpose of announcing that we today have concluded an agreement to end the war and bring peace with honor in Vietnam and in Southeast Asia. As commander-in-chief, I can report to you our armed forces fought with honor and valor. And as president, I can report to the nation, aggression is defeated. The war is over.
1: The war in Afghanistan is now over. After 20 years of war in Afghanistan, I refuse to send another generation of America's sons and daughters to fight a war that should have ended long ago.
0: Major wars of the last century involving the United States. At the top, the final moments of World War I, followed by World War II, the Korean War, Vietnam, the Persian Gulf War, and war in Afghanistan. There have been several other wars, but I thought that was a, uh, a good enough explanation. Today, President Joe Biden had this to say about sacrifice of American fighting men and women.
1: For us to keep faith with American veterans, we must never forget exactly what was given us, what each of them is willing to put on the line for us. We must never forget that it is the mighty arm of the American warrior, never bending, never breaking, never yielding. Generation after generation has secured for us the blessings of a nation that still stands today as a beacon of liberty, democracy and justice around the world. President Biden today.
0: Retired United States Army Infantry Captain Dan Braszynski was severely wounded in an IED blast in 2009. He's a double-leg amputee who works with other wounded vets. He spoke with WBAI today.
2: I was a 25-year-old infantry platoon leader in Afghanistan. I fought in the pretty violent Argandab district of Kandahar up until August 18th when I stepped on an IED and lost both my legs. So service, it means a lot to me many of my soldiers died. Like My my wounds are small in comparison. I appreciate the opportunities that the military gave. To be honest, I wish my sacrifice had been spent here at home helping out Americans instead of 7,000 miles away overseas. Do
0: humans ever learn what the cost of war is?
2: At a very macro level at all of humanity, the answer to that must be no, because we have not rid the world of war. Uh, It continues in its small-scale uh, fashion at this very moment in conflicts all around the world. And thankfully, we've been uh, kind of spared a large-scale uh, experience of war from that our grandfathers' generations experienced. What I'm struck on is America has been at war for the last 20 years as a response to 9-11 primarily. And as someone who served in these wars, the thought that I really have on a day like today is actually not, that my country has been at war for the last 20 years, but really that my military has been at war for the last 20 years. Because ever since 9-11, the American populace has not been asked to contribute to our efforts in any meaningful way. The entire burden has been placed on the military, both active duty and the reserve and guard components. And so it's our military, really, that has been at war nonstop for the past 20 years, I graduated from West Point and entered into the army as a young officer in 2007. And it was just expected that I would deploy to combat. And I did. And my peers deployed to combat over and over again. And what I find myself thinking about is just the fact that I really feel I'm 37 years old now. I really feel like I grew up with a country that was continuously sending its military to fight low-level wars in other people's land my entire adult life. And then I look around at my civilian neighbors who haven't done a thing. And I don't mean that in a pejorative sense at all. I don't denigrate their lack of service at all. We have a volunteer military. But it's just, in World War II, people grew victory gardens. They had war bonds. There was a a sense of shared responsibility and duty and effort. And I think that's completely lacking. And what I think is really interesting is when you kind of examine that, it's not just specific to the war on terror and our involvement overseas, but I think there is a growing disconnect between the civilian side of our country, the military side, and a growing disconnect in the societal fabric. People just aren't involved in the country and in their communities in the way that previous generations were. My experience in war, really, I served in Afghanistan in 2009. I was a young infantry platoon leader. I was in charge of 35 young men, more or less, and our job was to fight the Taliban and kill them. And we accomplished that. Ultimately, at a strategic scale, 20 years of effort in Afghanistan got us absolutely nothing. Everything we accomplished, we accomplished in six months. The 19 and a half years following that were a complete waste of resources and effort and lives and limbs. That said, I loved serving with my soldiers. I saw incredible effort, commitment, generosity and compassion from American soldiers while I was serving. And I come home and really what I find myself thinking is, I wish I could see that sense of effort and community and compassion and uh, selflessness and willingness to serve a larger purpose. I wish I could see more of that at home. I wish what the military spent 20 years trying to do in Afghanistan and Iraq and other places around the world I wish we had put more of those resources and effort into our own community here at home. And that's kind of what I've spent today reflecting on.
0: Retired United States Army Infantry Captain Dan Przysinski. he lost both his legs in an IED blast in Afghanistan in 2009. He works with other wounded vets. Meanwhile, the Biden administration is stepping up pressure on Russia over a buildup of troops along its frontier with Ukraine. Secretary of State Antony Blinken told his Ukrainian counterpart Dmitry Kuleba in Washington today that U.S. commitment uh, yesterday, that U.S. commitment to Ukraine's security and territorial integrity is ironclad.
3: The United States commitment to Ukraine's independence, sovereignty, territorial integrity is ironclad. Uh, And that's something that I said again to Dimitro today, it's a position that will not change. We stand with Ukraine. We are concerned with the reports of the unusual Russian uh, activity uh, near Ukraine. Uh, we're, we're looking at this very, very closely. Uh, we're also consulting very closely with allies and partners. And uh, as you've heard me say um, and heard us say, we, we don't have clarity into uh, Moscow's intentions. But we do know its playbook. Uh, And our concern is that Russia may make the serious mistake of attempting to rehash what it undertook back in 2014, what it amassed forces along the border, crossed into sovereign Ukrainian territory, uh, and did so claiming falsely that it was provoked.
0: Secretary of State Antony Blinken, Kuleba, whose country was at the center of former President Donald Trump's first impeachment, thanked Blinken for United States support.
2: It is very important that the United States stand by Ukraine in our efforts to defend our sovereignty and territorial integrity in the face of the ongoing Russian aggression. We also have to take the right actions. This is what we discussed with Secretary Blinken today. Not only the messages and the narratives that Russia should hear but also the actions that it will see coming and all of this is done not to provoke russia not to give it an excuse but to deter to deter russia and
0: that is dimitro kaleba he's the a uh, U- uh, foreign minister of Ukraine. Russian officials say troops were deployed near Ukraine for maneuvers to counter security threats posed by NATO forces near Russian borders. Russia and the alliance also have blamed each other for conducting destabilizing military exercises near their respective borders. And in climate news, United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres warned today a key temperature goal in climate talks is on life support, but he will he still hopes that world governments will step up their pledges to slash emissions of greenhouse gases. Guterres says he agreed with the youth climate activists who have been a daily presence protesting in large numbers outside the climate talks and at times inside, who called for the UN, the United Nations, to term global warming a climate emergency of a high level. Meanwhile, U.S. climate czar John Kerry announced the United States and China, often at lockerheads, have agreed to work together on climate change.
1: The two largest economies in the world have agreed to work together to raise climate ambition in this decisive decade. It commits to a series of important actions, not in the long term, not way out in the future, but now, now during this decade when it's needed. Our presidents made it clear when they talked way back last February, I believe, that, that even while we had these differences, it was very important for us to focus on global crises. This is a climate crisis. It's perhaps one of the most compelling issues we face as a planet, if not the most. I would say it is the most right now. And I think that uh, what we're doing is a responsible thing to do.
0: John Kerry's United States Climate Envoy. As world leaders have committed to limiting Earth's rising temperatures to 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit, that's 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre industrial times, Columbia University's Climate School recently published a global data set with estimates of both population and temperature. Nearly half of urban centers around the world have experienced an increasing trend in heat exposure. In twenty sixteen, just under one point seven billion people lived in those areas, with the majority in Asia and sub-Saharan Africa. The most affected region by far was Southern Asia, where India alone accounted for 37% of the population living in areas with an increasing extreme heat trend. And you're listening to the news on WBAI New York. I'm Paul DiRienzo. In Kenosha, Wisconsin, the defense rested its case today at the murder trial of Kyle Rittenhouse, setting the stage for closing arguments Monday in the shootings of three anti-racism protesters, two who died. Rittenhouse's lawyers completed their side of the case on day nine of the trial, a day after the 18-year-old Rittenhouse told the jury he was defending himself from attack and had no choice when he used his rifle to kill two men and wound the third on the streets of Kenosha in the summer of 2020. Prosecutors have sought to portray Rittenhouse as the instigators of the bloodshed which took place during a tumultuous night of protest against racial injustice. A key point came when a surviving victim, Gage Grosskreutz, testified he believed Rittenhouse was an active shooter. Pointing
4: pointed his weapon at me and I had put my hands in the air. Rewracking the weapon in my mind meant that the defendant pulled the trigger while my hands were in the air, but the gun didn't fire. So then, by re racking the weapon, I inferred that the defendant wasn't
3: accepting my surrender. Did you feel that he was going to point the gun and shoot at you again? Yes. Why didn't you take your own gun and shoot the defendant first?
4: Like I said, that's not the kind of person that I am. That's not. Why I was out there, that's not why I was out there for 75 days prior to that. Why I spent my time, my money, my education providing care for people. I tried to attempt to not lead the way to end that interaction.
0: Under cross-examination, Grosskreutz, who is a trained EMT, admitted on the stand he had pointed his Glock pistol at Rittenhouse seconds before. Grosskreutz. Royce Kreutz was shot in the arm.
4: You were chasing him with your gun, yes? No. You didn't chase him down Sheridan Road, pulling your gun, chasing after him. That's a lie. You're saying that didn't happen? I'm not saying that it didn't happen, but I wasn't chasing the defendant. You were running after him? No. No. Okay. It wasn't until you pointed your gun at him, advanced on him, With your gun, now your hands down, pointed at him, that he fired, right?
0: Correct. And Rittenhouse admitted yesterday that he had lied about being an EMT himself as he offered help to demonstrators. After closing arguments, names will be drawn to decide which 12 members of the jury panel will deliberate and which ones will be dismissed as alternates. 18 people have been hearing the case. The panel appeared overwhelmingly white. The protests in Kenosha were set off by the wounding of Jacob Blake, a black man by a white police officer. Rittenhouse, then 17, went to Kenosha from his home in Antioch, Illinois, and what the former police and fire youth cadets said was an effort to protect property after rioters set fires and ransacked businesses on previous nights. Closer to home, New York racial justice activists from Black Lives Matter met yesterday with Mayor-elect Eric Adams to discuss the future of policing in the city under an Adams administration. The 30-minute meeting was live-streamed and although it was mostly calm, the last minutes became heated.
5: That's not happening, brother. That's why This is my life's work. Being mayor is not my life work. Fighting on behalf of people is my life work. You don't get to sixty one after fighting for thirty five years and all of a sudden say, I'm going to change. No, this is who I am.
1: So are we gonna this is this is my gonna, life. Road. Are we gonna work to together?
5: And get things down on paper. Yeah, nothing. so let's. Yeah, I'm, know, no, I'm, I'm there. I'm there <laughs> with you cause you're here you're because Jay had to suggest. Let's 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 involve hold on, hold on, hold on. all of us consistently without having to do hold a whole on. a whole lot to sit down with you and make. And I'm looking forward to that. Now listen, listen, on, listen. If yeah, you want to wrap it up for us, because I got it, I got less you got for a long time. so yes. i Somebody really got to get this show. Go ahead, I got ADHD. Is ready to jump out. I'll check the show. Because I hear what you're saying, you, you, you like to use the word we a lot, you know yes. what I'm saying? So, we have actively been trying to hold the NYPD accountable. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do to hold the NYPD accountable for their unlawful actions? Brother, I mean, have you been living under a rock? No. Because I've been, been doing that for, I spent, I did it in the department. In America? Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, but we're, we're gonna. We're gonna. Keep look, walking in this room without a history? No, I, mean, I asked you a no, question. No, I wanted to ask you. The, the same, same thing I did. Mean, I mean, asked you about your background. I asked you a question. A question. No, he right said, now he said what you're you gonna answer. do. The yeah. same. We're gonna go back same. and forth about what I do and what you do. I you think know, he said on that specific. I wanna know. Yeah, what legislation? What law? What bill? What are you gonna pass? That's on your website, but yeah, like tomorrow, unlawful actions on U.S. citizens, taxpayers. This is the, brother, the same thing I have done for 35 years. I'm going to continue to do. And maybe you should look at those things that I have done. And you still get it. No, you still get brutality. Well, we That's what we're saying. Well, tell me something. Was it that, was that question for me to answer? Or well, that was a NYP. rhetorical question? You answered it? My, 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 it was my bill that passed in Albany that stopped the database of innocent black and brown people held in the database. That was my bill. It was my bill that passed in Albany that ended the quota system. It was my bill that co sponsored to end the Rockefeller drug laws that was putting people away for long periods of time. My legislative record is the same record I yeah, had. In the Rockefeller drug laws, brother. That,
0: that was like an underground. No no no, okay. no, 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 no.
5: Okay, listen. Phil, here. Let me Appreciate, let me appreciate, appreciate you. Appreciate, appreciate you. Know-
0: and that was uh, some excerpts from the heated portion of what was generally a calm meeting between the BLM activists and the mayor-elect. In fact, the uh, some newspapers have uh, really focused on those last few minutes, as they were the most important. And afterwards, uh, uh, New York BLM Black uh, Lives Matter co-founder Hack Newsom spoke to reporters. Uh, where he made a fiery speech saying there might be riots if Adams goes ahead with plans to reinstate the anti-crime units that were responsible for thousands of stop and frisk encounters with police.
5: If they think that they're going to go back to the old ways of policing, then we're going to take to the streets again. There will be riots, there will be fire, and there will be bloodshed. So there's no way that we're going to let some Gestapo come in here and harm our people, right? We pray for peace, but black opportunities prepares for the worst. We have people in city council who can create problems for him. We have people in the streets who can create problems for this administration by shutting it down.
0: Hawk Newsom, in a uh, statement he released on Instagram today, Uh, Newsom wrote, the uh, news won't tell you that this was covered in our meeting with Mayor-elect Eric Adams, and he laid out three things. Number one, we laid out a holistic approach to stopping crime. Two, we explained that the answer to violence is opportunity and ending poverty, not police. And three, our people need healthy, free, plant-based meals – is is probably not as well-known as it should be, but the mayor-elect is a vegan. That means he doesn't eat animal products at all if he can avoid it. Afterwards, during a TV interview, the mayor-elect responded to Newsom.
5: I am, I ran on a very clear message. My city will not be unsafe, and that is what we're going to do. Clear plan, putting in place a plainclothes anti-gun unit, that will happen, and this city is going to be safe. I said it before, and I'm going to continue to say it. That is what I promised to New Yorkers, and that is what I'm going to deliver. In New York, every day there's a new person coming out saying things. Those 13 people are not representative of the Black Lives Matter movement. You have great leaders who have who have pushed for this in the city, and we're going to get there. We're going to have the justice we deserve and the safety we need.
0: Eric Adams is mayor-elect of New York City. I advise all our citizens to hold on tight for the next four years. And finally... Friday marks the 20th anniversary of the crash of American Airlines Flight 587. It's a time when loved ones remember the good times they had with those family members they lost. 260 passengers were aboard Flight 587, which was on its way to the Dominican Republic when it crashed shortly after takeoff from JFK Airport. That was 20 years ago. It was just weeks after two planes flown by terrorists crashed into the World Trade Center, so the city was on edge as the plane crashed. And that's some of the news for Thursday, November 11th, 2021. The news is produced with Linda Perry, our engineer. It's Reggie Johnson from New York City. I'm Paul DiRienzo. Thanks for listening and tune in tonight. Radio Nimble at midnight.